Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. It is our goal every week to bring the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we pray that it changes your heart and provokes life change and action. God bless, and please listen from your heart. Enjoy. It's Brother Jeremy. Good to see you this Sunday evening. We're glad to have you here for worship. If you are a guest or visitor, we want you to check out the great offerings we have at friendshipsturgis.com. And if you've been here for a long time, thank you for tuning in. There's so many small groups and ways that you can continue to plug in right now with everything that's going on. So let's dive in. Tonight, we will be talking about salvation and its fruit. We'll be looking at the passage from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But in doing so, we will be looking back at a few verses uh, throughout chapter 5 that help explain and illustrate what we're trying to talk about this evening. J.P. Morgan was asked what he considered the best bank collateral. He replied, character. Samuel Smiles reminds us that to be worth anything, character must be capable of standing firm upon its feet in the world of daily work, temptation and trial, and able to bear the wear and tear of actual life. Cloistered virtues do not matter for much. An open manner of life is a person's best safeguard against slander. A person of character, meaning that this is a person worth following. This is a person of integrity. This is a person of upstandingness, character. A person usually says when they are a person of character, you're talking about the good qualifications. But what about the things which do not need to be present? Someone with bad character. And chances are you've experienced that more than you have experienced someone of good character. So let's look at the deeds of the flesh in light of those characteristics, the bad characteristics. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a stiff warning of those bad character uh, names there, the things that people engage in, the people that are corrupted in that sense. Those things are very, very mindful in our minds of the flesh, of what represents the world around us, not representing the things of God. What looks like just like everybody else or what looks like 
characteristics of someone that is worth following. The deeds of the flesh, those things should be set aside at all costs, for they represent a life before Christ and a passion that we had before Christ and a, a way of understanding life before Christ that no longer should be in our new life in Christ. There should be a great differentiation and change in how we live, what we do, who we engage in, and with in this world. There should be a sharp distinction. Even more so now, everyone, I think, could be, it could be said, could be put on this list in the sense of what people post on social media and post out there. So many of the topics and discussions and, and personal opinions of some very much fit into the desires of the flesh, very much feed these things. And when you begin to feed these things that we ought to abstain from, then those things take on a life of themselves in our lives. They take on more than they are. They continue to overtake our lives and snuff out anything that is being done good and godly in our lives because we're engaging in more of this that should be out of our lives. And I know you're saying, well, there's no way to remove everything from our lives. But that doesn't mean that we throw our hands up and say, well, what can I do? So I'm just going to do what I do and that's how it is. That mentality doesn't help you and it doesn't help your Christian walk and it doesn't help you grow, but it doesn't impact the kingdom of God. That defeated understanding that you can't do anything abandons the fact that God in you can do much. So we should strive in that sense to be more Christ-like, to have his characteristics, to embody those things more and more each and every day. I realize this is a this is a lofty goal and it's it's kind of hard to attain everything, but we don't need to give up on striving to achieve what is before us. It's God initiated, God designed, yes, but it's God's power that's going to give us the ability to do far more than we ever could do on our own. So if the deeds of the flesh are what is bad, as far as characteristics or character or evidence for a, a lack of godliness in our lives, then what is evidence for God in our lives and for us doing the things that we ought to do and engaging in the right things? Secondly, the fruit of the Spirit. Likely you've heard this before, but I want to look at it in contrast to the deeds of the flesh, which I just mentioned. I want to look at it in in the idea that these things should be readily apparent in the lives of those who are Christians. So let's look at verses 22 and 23. And you can read along with me as well. 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These attributes should be present in a believer's life. 
They should be growing attributes in our lives and characteristics of who we are. So there's a, there's a battle within humanity going on. A battle with the flesh or living in the spirit. Saying what we ought to do or actually being active in our faith. There's a back and forth because you and I, yes, we may be Christians, but we live in a world that is very adverse to Christian principles, faith, and the characteristics which are hard and true within the biblical text. God's Word points to absolute right and wrong. He doesn't say, well, that's gray area that you can make up or whatever you feel or however you want. But He's big enough to answer the questions that you might have been asking in direct and even indirect ways right here and now. And if you're searching, if you're looking, if you have yet to believe in Jesus Christ because you have more questions than you have answers. You have more doubts than you than you have anything else. It's okay to have questions and doubts. If you're still searching for Jesus, that's how you find him. Years ago, Lee Strobel wrote a book, Case for Christ. Now, if you're out there and you are searching, looking, and asking a whole bunch of questions right here and now, and you don't feel like you're getting a whole lot of answers, you can read Lee Strobel's book, Case for Christ, or you can text or email me, and I will respond. It is important that you know that, that God is big enough to handle your questions and my questions, because the only way you'll have answers for your questions is if you ask them. The only way you'll know something is if you ask. For me, it's not one of those things to where I'm saying, oh, you asked that question, you ought to be, and label something else. No, you ask questions because you're looking for answers. And when you're looking for answers, you get those answers, chances are you're going to understand what Christ has for you and who He really is. And it's going to not detract your faith, but it's going to substantiate what Christians believe and who Christ is in your life and wants to be. So if you have a question, ask. If you want to read a book, Lee Strobel's Case for Christ is an awesome book that you can get from about anywhere. And what it is, is he started out as an atheist and sought to disprove Christianity. So he went to many different sources like science and and various other backgrounds and articles and historical articles, and he tried to disprove Christianity, but ended up proving Christianity, therefore finding faith for himself and accepting Jesus Christ. So in the searching, he found answers. But what I'm saying here in the second part of the fruit of the Spirit, if you are a Christian believer, these things should be fruit or attributes that are evident in your life that Christ has redeemed you. The old flesh-filled way is no longer there. The new has come. And it doesn't mean that you don't make those mistakes occasionally, but everything that you are, from your heart to your mind to your soul, 
is bent on doing the will of God to the very best of your capabilities. Understanding you will fall short, but that doesn't mean that you don't still strive after that growth in Him. See, there's forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. But how do we show the difference in this flesh versus spirit battle? In this, in this idea of, of question and skepticism and, and saying versus actually being active in the faith, I think for many of us, we have a great ability to answer the world's questions right here and right now that many are asking when they're looking for you and I to be champions of the faith we say we believe in. And I know there's so many of us that don't want people to ask questions, and it's because our faith is not as deep as it needs to be. And for us, that statement itself should be very disconcerting because our faith on day one of accepting Christ and where we are right now should be greatly different than that. When you're a new Christian and you're beginning out in faith, you don't have all the answers. And you might say, well, over here I don't have all the answers either. But your daily pursuit of God gives you the insight and depth, the knowledge and understanding of His will, gives you the ability to be bold, and given the ability to be bold gives you a courage to stand and speak for Christ. Because it is Christ in you that is addressing the needs ahead of you. So sharing your faith, answering questions, the tough questions. You're able to do that because of your daily time with Him. Of your reading of His, His Bible, the resources that are available. And digging deeper than just what is sitting there low hanging on the surface. You're not content with just... A, every once in a while, you are wanting to feast at his table every day and there's evidence of the fact that you are doing so in your life and a preparedness for what's coming ahead and the questions that might be there. We should be known by our active faith. If we're active, then it's evident. If a, if a person is active in their fitness pursuits, chances are you can tell by the way that they look, the exercise and so forth they engage in, all of those things, their, their eating habits and all that kind of promotes that overall health. You can tell that. Likewise, you can tell when, when a Christian is not doing that which they ought to do or they are engaging in things they ought not to engage in, feeding that versus feeding the Christian walk that they ought to have. They will know we are Christians. Number four. Let's jump backwards again to verse 13 through 16. The same chapter, verse 13 through 16. For you are called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. It's not about you. It's about Christ in you. 
serve one another. Do not turn to the flesh. It is not just about you. It is about how Christ might use you to serve others, to love others, as He first loved us and gave Himself as an atoning sacrifice for us. Likewise, we sacrifice our needs for their needs. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That means anybody, anywhere, we ought to be loving on as Christ loved us so that they might be introduced to an authentic faith in our lives so that they might be introduced to an all-encompassing Savior that He might be the answer they're looking for. And you and I, understanding our neighbor is not just the physical person to us in the house by us or the one down the street. Our neighbor is anyone we encounter. Everyone we encounter. And I would rather go up to somebody who was already a Christian and be bold and share my faith than to cower down and be quiet. I would rather go up to somebody of a different faith and be respectful but share my faith, listen to their faith that Christ might inhabit their life and, and, and share with them the wrongness of maybe what they believe. All of those things facilitate loving our neighbor. Verse 15 and 16, But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. If all encompassing faith is important to you, and you leave no room for the flesh and the worldly desires going on around you, then you won't have space for those things. The only space you will have is for Christ in your life. But if you, adversely, if you are not spending enough time investing in that relationship with Christ, then there's so much space in your life left over that all of these things are going to come in. That all these things are going to creep in. See, Satan doesn't sit by on the sidelines. Satan comes in and tries to trip us up and cause us to stumble and fall. And he discourages us when we have so much to live for. He is wise and sharp and he knows scripture and how to twist it too. To make it something worldly. But understand, God has defeated evil. He has defeated Satan. He has won from that foe. And at the name of Jesus Christ, the devil must get out. So what you feed is going to become most important in your life. So how can we make this hit home today? Firstly, the flesh leads to destruction and leaves no room for growth. If you are invested in everything, everybody feels is right and wrong, and it changes based on my feelings and what I'm going through or what somebody else says that sounds good or better versus an absolute right or wrong that is biblical, 
then chances are you're feeding the wrong machine in your life and it is going to overtake your life. But it leaves no room for growth. If you are a Christian and you're engaging in these behaviors, you're playing dangerously with your faith. And chances are it's stagnant or maybe it isn't authentic at all. Secondly, it becomes evident whom we allow control in our lives. Over time, you face issues, you face challenges, you face trials, and you deal with people and issues and concerns and all of those things. It becomes evident who we follow within our lives. Our lives begin to speak of our heart and who holds captive our character. Who holds captive our heart? It becomes evident what really we are about. Whether we are in Christ and living for Him and growing in Him, or we are worldly invested in what everybody else thinks that changes so often, or what's right and wrong based on a feeling or so forth, what somebody wrote a book that sounds good and well because it means that I don't have to change a thing. See, that's really where it gets into it. You and I don't like to change. But change is what allows for God to do His best in us. And it's evident to everybody around us. There's a lot of people that have what I like to call Christian masks. Meaning that they put on these things which are different in different settings. If they're the partying type, they're going to wear the partying mask. If they're also the church type, they have the church mask. If they're the family man or woman, they're going to have that on. See, the reality is there's no mask needed when you're in Christ. You're who you are, regardless of where you are, at all times, if Christ is paramount in your life. What I figure with so many people is that they want to be all things to all people. So they engage in activities and things. See, for me, I don't want everybody to like me. I like everybody to like me. Don't get me wrong. And I probably want you to like me. But if you don't like me, that's not important. It's most important to me that you find your identity in Christ. And that's who you're worried about. You have a healthy fear and awe of God and respect of Him to where you are the same here at church as you are at home, as you are with your friends. You choose not to engage in such worldly, flesh-filled things because of who Christ is to you. And holding that in high regard and holding that standard higher, it is... It fills every facet and gap in your life to where you are able to live and love like Jesus. You don't have any room for that. So the characteristics of your life show others who He is. The fruit is evident in how you live. So thirdly, the best way to combat the flesh is an active faith. Are you actively pursuing Him? 
Are you growing and resembling more the fruitful walk that you should have? Are you active in your faith? Are you getting off the couch, so to speak, and living for Him? Are you actively pursuing after Him, striving for the characteristics of God in your life, digging in deeper to Scripture every day, learning more and more about what it means to have faith for you every single day? Because you're not walking a road that your neighbor's walking. You're not dealing with things that your spouse might be dealing with. You're not dealing with things that, that anybody else is because you're unique. God created you just like you are, but He created you to know Him. Scripture tells us that, that He knitted us together in, in our mother's womb. God created you. And He created you to know Him. But it gives you the, the choice to do so. It gives you the understanding of who He is all around. There's more evidence of who Christ is. And I feel like there are times to where people in this world are looking for an authentic view of who Christ is. And they look at the flawed Christian believers expecting some, some level of perfection. If our lives are evidence of Christ in us, and we are pursuing to be transparent and honest, showing that we have scars and showing that we have hurts and hang-ups, that we're not perfect, then we begin to paint a picture that is very much like the biblical picture. Because it's Christ who we want to be seen in our lives. Even when people resonate with our story, they really need to see Christ in us. And we need to resemble Him in what we do. Fourthly, some things seem to be lost in translation. And, and so within our lives, this should be, this should be said. People should not have to do a deep dive within our lives to find a sliver of evidence of Christ. Y'all folks shouldn't have to dig and dig and dig and look and look and look to find Christ. If I were to do a deep dive in your life, what would I find? If I were to look real hard in your life, what evidence would be there? Some of you would come up as baby Christians, meaning that you know Jesus Christ, but you never ever grow in Him. You don't take chances for Him. You don't live for Him. The characteristics of your former life still bleed over into the current life. In other words, what you have is what I call hell insurance. You know Christ, but you never do anything for Christ. You're baby Christians. There are many of you out there that are looking and trying to find answers. And I don't fault you for being here today and checking this out and asking questions. Again, you can ask questions. You can send those to me. You can make them known to me. And I promise you, if I have an answer, I will answer right back. If I don't, I will do a little bit of search myself and I will get back with you. Because in finding our answers, we have to ask questions. So... 
also not only baby Christians, but looking to serve versus those that are being served. There's so many Christians that want to be served. And when they are not being served, they get angry. As if someone who has paid for a service is not getting what they got. Or if they're going through the drive-thru and say, I didn't order this, or I ordered this this way, and you're getting irate. When it's about serving others, that's not even on your heart, is it? Because you're not worried about you, you're not worried about I, you're worried about your neighbor and loving them and loving one another. So service, there's evidence of that. There's also evidence when you have been seeking growth opportunities. When you've been trying to sign up, to be involved, to read new books, to listen to podcasts, to, to look in your Bible, to buy books that explain some of the things you've had questions about that are authentically representative of God's Word. Not everything out there is authentic and not everything represents God's Word. So you have to check resources and, and check authors to make sure they align with the faith of the Bible and speak truth to that. If you have questions, just ask. But also it's a deepening of faith. Can you, and I know this might seem like a tough question, but can you ever go too deep in your faith? No. There's more to learn, there's more to grow, and there's more to know. Lastly, fifth, fruitfulness impacts the eternity of the lost. So that should motivate Christian believers. That should motivate us. So fruitfulness impacts the eternity of the lost. Wouldn't we like to tell others? Shouldn't we be telling others? Shouldn't we be living differently? The deeds of the flesh should be dead. The works of Christ in us should be very much what we're feeding. Are you active in your faith? Do people know that you're Christians by how you live? Join me as I pray. Father God, on this evening, God, I, I thank you that you're the God of second, third, fourth, fifth, chances, God, that you forgive us and forgive us often. Father God, I pray as we assess our lives, God, that we ask ourselves, do we know that you are Lord and Savior of our life? Heavenly Father, there may be some, many that are asking so many questions and not finding answers. God, I pray that they ask me, that they ask someone, God, that they find answers, God, to their questions, because it might mean the difference in them accepting you or turning and walking away. Father God, I pray as believers in Christ, God, that we are active in our faith so that when called upon and when we need to, we speak truth into the lives of those around us. When others have questions, God, we may not always have the answers, but you do, God. So let everything start and end with you in our lives. Let us be active. Let us have evidence of you. Let us not just be happy with being, you know, just knowing but let us be active in our faith and growing every single day. Being satisfied in you, yes, but not just being satisfied where we are. God, serving others, not just in our minds being served. God, let every encompassing thought be how we might bear much fruit for your kingdom's sake, for the world around us that has more questions than answers. And it's your name we bring the glory and hope forevermore. Amen.
stay tuned and look for an upcoming announcement about church, the changing schedule and reopening that is coming in the near future. Thank you and have a great evening. for joining the friendship family today we know that your time is the most valuable item you have and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us if you would like to know more about friendship baptist church please visit our website friendshipsturges.com or our facebook page at facebook.com fbcms both can be found in the show notes below if you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast we would be very appreciative And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.